Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Allowing yourself to be more selfish with your wants and needs can seem, well, selfish. (laughs) The idea of selfishness often comes with negative connotations and shame often. But what if I told you that being more selfish is a good thing and it will benefit everyone around you in the long run, especially if you are what I call an over-caretaker. Now, often, if you are an over-caretaker, you focus all of your energy taking care of the emotional needs of someone else and giving up on your own emotional needs in the process. You know, you might find yourself exhausted by your relationships because you overgive all the time. This is why often there is this magnetic attraction that happens between people who are caretakers and those who have a desperate need to be taken care of. And guess what? Those would be the narcissists. <laughs> those are the takers. You can never give narcissists enough, right? So they're always asking for more. And lo and behold, this triggers caretakers to believe they are selfish, which perpetuates the cycle, right? Always trying to do more and more and ending up feeling really depleted in the end. So if you're feeling a bit down, it might be because you aren't putting your mental state first, which then has a negative effect on people around you. And that's the thing about caretaking is that you thinking that you're being nice, (laughs) that you're taking care of others. But actually, it's the reverse. You're causing more turmoil, more conflict to not only the people around you, but to yourself. And this is why I say it is time to get selfish. Putting your desires and needs as a priority is the key to living a happier life for yourself and for others. And a selfless person can easily learn to strike a balance between selfless and selfish. Now, Look, if you are this over-caretaker, you will always have that nagging feeling deep down that tells you to do more, to do more for others than yourself. But here's the good news is that you already have the good person part built in, right? I mean, that's harder to achieve. So you got that. You're empathetic, you're thoughtful, altruistic. Those are three really important traits for a healthy relationship, in fact. But you do need to turn those things on yourself to create balance and reciprocity. We all need that self-compassion. After all, we each are our own best friend. I mean, you would not treat your best friend the way that you treat yourself. Treat yourself as you would your friend. So with me today is a really special Coaching with Kimmy episode. It's a man. I love bringing men on. We haven't had in a while um, who is on a quest to find a healthy relationship after experiencing some trauma in his life. And he's finding himself taking care of everyone but himself. So it's time for him to get a little selfish, express himself more so that he attracts positive and balanced relationships. Welcome, Spike. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Spike. Hello, Kim. How are you doing? 
I am good. I know I love, we just haven't had a man on for a while. Like I'm think I'm, I bet you all the women are like a breath of fresh air, a man's coming on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just goes to show you, like, I, I think sometimes, especially as I'm working with women, we all think that the opposite gender is somehow really different. Like men don't struggle with caretaking stuff, you know, and that I always say that's just simply not the case. You know, we're all human. We all have things. And so I think this will be really, you know, refreshing. And so many men I know kind of struggle with things that are going on for you. But anyway, well, I I would love for you to just introduce yourself and let us know just a little bit about you and things that you're working on in your love life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm Spike. And to your point, kind of, I'm going to dive right in here. I feel the brain is very much a unisex organ, right? Yeah. We all experience emotions. We all have thoughts. It's how we deal with them and cope with them at the end of the day. And I feel very much uh, a societal conditioning to fit into a certain box as either, you know, a man or a woman or any, anything else to that degree. And I think, I think it's a little unfair because it, it takes us away from who we are as individuals. Like, mm. for instance, the biggest one that I'm working with right now, it's kind of a huge red flag is within myself when I say red flag, because mm-hmm. it's one thing to acknowledge that in another person, but I also have to acknowledge, like, is this a person that I want to be with? Is this a date that I want to pursue? But it's the idea of, um, I'm trying to, trying to <laughs> conjure this one up. Yeah, no, go for it. it it's, it's like, uh, the red flag that I acknowledge within myself is withholding information uh-huh. to try to fit into that societal norm, to be this like man who has no weakness, who has uh. you know, like this facade of armor when underneath it, you know, I'm crumbling and can't express that like, oh, I'm lonely or anything else to that degree. You know, it's, it, it's a hard balance to be able to be just myself, I guess. <sighs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. And I do think that the caretaking piece kind of blends into that. Cause I was going to ask you, how does that then affect your caretaking stuff that's going on? Cause you had shared a little bit before, you know, we hopped on here and how does that like play out when it comes to thinking of yourself as a man? So the best way I can describe it is uh, formed very early on in childhood. Um, mm. Very much grew up with uh, a mother who, it's, and not to talk down on her, but just being realistic, had the emotional skill set of a 17-year-old and, and took that into life. Mm-hmm. So the way that you know I've, I've worked with therapists and, and the like, the idea being that her needs had to come first as the parent. So it was very much a reverse situation where as a child, I was taking care of the needs of my parent. She was getting, you know, social mileage and gratification and attention from everybody around her for being the best parent or anything else. But within that, she had her own struggles with addiction and everything else that came with it. And, you know, um, I grew up with a sister who was a quadriplegic so she she had cerebral palsy and she couldn't you know walk or talk or anything else to that degree so learning how to understand her 
and like her mannerisms and everything else that that was a, a key element to the you know caretaking but within that too you know um later on in life that that turned into like taking care of my mom after she had passed and you know being like a support system so that's that's kind of where it started and you know this wasn't something that i was aware about until really honestly getting sober and working through my own issues with trauma and everything else that came with it yeah that's a powerful connection for yourself what about dad so my mother very much sought attention from a lot of male figures so Mm. Early on, uh, there was a lot of abuse from male figures in my life. Um, she was in an extremely abusive relationship, you know, until I was about 12 years old. And internalizing that that divorce, that situation, as you know, I was abused, and it ended up going to court over the abuse that I had encountered, which you know, kind of contributes to my own demons in regard to like the, this this conflict within me. You know, the idea mm-hmm. of wanting the spotlight, but trying to hide from it. Um, so for instance, you know, I remember early on in like elementary school, having insecurities that kids shouldn't have, like going to the principal's office to go talk to social workers because, you know, they had questions about bruises that I had and, and everything else to the degree. Mm. And kids being kids, you know, oh, you're going to the principal, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's like, just leave me alone was, 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 was my kind of thinking on it. But how that transpired later on in life uh she she ended up divorcing him and then a couple years later uh, married someone else and he was very much detached from us so mm-hmm. it wasn't very much a, a father figure in the sense of like providing support as like a positive male role model but more a sense of security by providing oh you have food to eat or a roof over your head and that that mm-hmm. kind of stuff But when it came down to like, oh, hey, let's go see a movie together or let's go do anything else to the degree, there was a very big detachment there. Wow. Thank you for sharing that and just being vulnerable to being open because I think obviously you're not alone. And what comes to me about this is that you you weren't ever taken care of. Right. So to to understand what my needs are and how to take care of them. It, it's, it's taken a lot of work. I mean, this is, yeah. I've been in therapy for luckily in my teenage years, um, throughout the divorce and later on in my own shenanigans, mm-hmm. we can call it that. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't the role model child of the century by no means. I mean, I, you know, was out smoking weed in high school and doing all sorts of stupid shit, you know, on probation and whatever, what have you. And I feel that was very much a cry out for attention to have needs met, which one. And, you know, the struggle with that coming out of it, you know, was like, I ended up going to therapy and that became another device for control. I mean, we talk about narcissists and the needs for control, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would get really close to a therapist and a social worker and, you know, my guardian at litem and stuff like that. And then it would come time for mom to come into the situation and she would find out that we're working on, you know, stuff that involves her with therapy. And it was perceived as an attack. 
So I was instantly accused as being manipulative in my therapy sessions by just expressing what was going on. And so she would pull the rug out from underneath me, so to speak. And we'd switch therapists and we'd change whatever to align with her values instead of enabling me to be the person that I wanted to be as a kid, you know, supporting my interests and my goals. It, it was about how I could fit into her box to get that attention and that gratification. So it was really just, it was messed up. So where, where I'm at now is more, I, I just started getting into therapy again um, after, you know, I was what, 20, 23, 24, something around there. And uh, I was in a very unstable pattern of life. You know, I was uh, active in addiction. I would, you know, I've been smoking weed since I was damn near like 12 years old. That's just extraordinarily unhealthy, but it was normalized for me. So it's like all of these things that became normalized made it so much easier to form unhealthy habits that need to be broken in order to grow. But the first thing is acknowledging at what level of dysfunction is there. So the hard bit is gauging how much of my perception on reality is something healthy to do versus something that's not. So for, mm. in the realm of, you know, relationships, um, it, it's like, it's like not being able to trust my judgment, always questioning everything behind it, my intentions, am I, you know, overly needy? Am I looking for someone to take care of my needs that, you know, parents didn't? Am, am I, mm-hmm. Am, am I doing what I need to for me and to form my own security, if that makes any sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it all makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting because normally on these calls, I, I would do like a really deep dive into the psyche of all of this, but you have clearly done all that. I actually think you need the opposite. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I mean by that is that you have been analyzing and doing this dance and the deep dive for a really long time. And I'm just wondering like how that also acts as a love shield for you. Oh, oh, that's, that's a very good observation. Um, So the, the best way I can think of it is, uh, it prevents me from being myself because I sit in the fear of the situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like a really good example is, uh, you know, I was out uh, with some friends and, um, you know, we were, we were out at a, a shooting range and whatnot. And uh, there's this cute range instructor. So, you know, I, I went up and I talked to her and, you know, was, you know, seeing what's going on and, yeah, it was really fun. We had a little light banter back and forth. You know, I, I teased her about, you know, well, you work on a range. Are you going to shoot? And she's, she's like, well, I was. And I was like, was? What's what's up with that? You know, and, and <laughs> so I, I got her involved and she actually ended up coming down and uh, shooting. Nice. It was a really cool moment. I was, like, it, it was just, it was gratifying. But then towards the end of it, I, I had this conflict within me. I was like, I want to ask for her number. Like she's, she's beautiful and she has a personality to match. Cause I mean, looks are superficial. Let's be real here. It's so easy to, especially in our culture where we're at right now to strut like the, uh, I don't know, to strut it out, so to speak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
because uh, there there is very much like that that mindset and i've fallen into this too like if i look fantastic then i'll draw in women but what am i doing internally to maintain that yeah so so you know that that's my take on looks in any case i i started observing and dissecting kind of her body language towards the tail side of everything and i noticed that she started by kind of crossing her legs towards the ankles and getting really fidgety and I way overthought the situation, mm-hmm. got nervous, caught up in my head and didn't even ask for her number. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go now. See you guys later. And as we were all, you know, kind of walking around different ways, I look over my shoulder and I catch this glance from her and I just noticed like this sheer disappointment. And I was just like, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought that one. And then on yes. the drive home was just sitting in my head, like, oh my God, <laughs> everything was right there. I had the opportunity. What the hell? And then oh my gosh. Like, what is wrong with me? Like, you know. <laughs> that is such a beautiful example of exactly what I'm talking about. So, okay. In that moment, when you kind of like got in your own way, I don't know how else to put it, right? Like, what what was the conversation in your head? What stopped you? the overthinking you know I but what did you think like what was the dialogue in your head uh in regards to just asking for her number Uh uh-huh like closing the deal like keeping going with that like you are doing good you're skating along she's into it and boom something like happened like what was that in your head so that's that's a very good question I'd like to think sizing it up you know the the ego Uh me would be like Oh, if it's not too forward, what's your number? I'd like to take you out sometime. Now, the the monkey brain me yeah. lives in fear, very much so. Mm-hmm. So if I had to say, I, I would anticipate it's the fear of rejection. The idea that I'm not good enough. Ugh, those words. Yeah, and that'll get you every single time, right? And, and it's a deep Mm-hmm. coupled within that too and this is another one that gets me is so my sister is growing up right mm-hmm. an abusive household and the way that things were they would come home and very much so talk about all the boys right that was their thing but they would harp on guys too as kind of an insecurity thing too so hearing how they would talk about guys being creeps or whatever what have you uh-huh. I like have this this resounding fear of being that guy. And it's just like, I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not that guy. But to be perceived as that, that's another contributing factor to being in my own way. Yes, yes. Just to make an observation and to connect the dots. And then I want to really like push you forward because you you've done so much analyzing and can, <laughs> and thinking about all this. I really would like to put you more into action because it is easier to live in your head, let's just face it, than actually put your you know foot forward and make some movement here because that fear factor will kick up every single time. Um, you know, when you grow up in an abusive household, it's unpredictable. And not only that, you were put in the role of the caretaker, caretaker to mom and her needs, 
right? To your sister and to everybody else, but yourself. And then in fact, when you tried to get your emotional needs met, it was shot down and you were brought to another therapist because it wasn't okay. And so what happens, and, and this is just like your default button that developed over time is that you learn how to be um, really in tune with people, your environment. You have to guess everybody else's feelings just to make everything peaceful because you just don't want any more conflict. You have to just take care of everybody because God knows you don't want anything else to happen. Totally, totally. So the the way that I can relate to that and mm-hmm. sort of the, the action that I've been doing. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're going to talk about action, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Biggest bit was, you know, getting, getting into recovery, like, yeah. like recovering as an alcoholic. And actually I sat for a year, you know, like in denial, like, Oh, this isn't a problem, whatever. I can stop wherever I want, whatever, what have you. And I mean, there, there were days that I would justify the amount of drinking that I did like, Oh, whatever, you know, I had a bad day at work or whatever this and that. And, and it really helped me grow to face that and say, you know what, I can justify the hell out of anything, but is it right? And, and, you know, within that, like being avoidant when Mm -hmm. it comes to conflict and, you know, caretaking and pleasing, like being a people pleaser. That's very much something that, you know, I've been working on and just recovery as it is like the the biggest, the biggest shift of my thinking, I I guess, was the idea that, you know, I'd stumble into AA or whatever, and that I just, I wouldn't drink. But what I didn't know, like, I I didn't know what I didn't know. know? Yeah, right. right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And came to learn that it's so much more than that. Like there's so much more to actually like recovering. It's looking at the laundry list of problems and facing the facts, like being honest with yourself. And that is so freaking hard to do. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And seeing how, you know, we talk about default behavioral patterns. What sticks out to me very much so is the idea of, the dance that I would do to your point in abusive situations, I would have to dance around other people. Now I don't have those justifications. I don't have that need for survival that I once did, but that's my default behavior. And that's just like, it takes so much to break free of that pattern. And it's so easy to like, uh, I guess as, as an example in my last relationship, right. Uh, I, I was, you know, we were dating for almost two months. It started great. It always does. And it, it eventually things started slipping and I started, you know, people pleasing more. So, mm-hmm. so, and, you know, I'm in school and whatnot. And uh, in the middle of the semester, I'm stressed trying to study up for midterms. And I, I get a text from the, the lady that I'm seeing and She's like, hey, sorry, I've been so distant lately. And I'm like, distant? I figured you were just, you know, working on school. Like, and to me, that was a red flag, like withdrawing. You know, mm-hmm. that's 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 a huge, whole, 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 hold on. Like, are you withdrawing to get attention? What's like, so right. I go through the laundry list of anxiety. I'm like, okay, no amount of 
you know, pussyfooting around the issue, you know, just going to call it what it is, is going to like address this. So I call her up and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And the answer that I received was I need more. I was like, more, more what? It's very vague and unspecific, more time together, more interaction. Like I'm busy during the week. I've got school and work and, you know, a dog on top of that, I'm, I'm busy. Like I'm taking care of what I need to, what's, what's going on. And in the heat of that, she was like, well, I just need more time to, you know, be present with you and whatnot. And I immediately shifted into this people-pleasing kind of wimpish sort of persona. You know, it it was, well, maybe we can, you know, try to work out a couple of times a week where we might be able to hang out or whatever. But, and, and I feel really guilty to leave you on the back burner, but I'm also doing this and this. And at the end of the phone call, I set the tone and was like, look, I don't have time for this right now. Let's talk at the end of the week. You know, Friday, when we're both like have a little more free time, we'll address this. You know, maybe we can evaluate what our needs really are. And that that thinking about it just now was where I really started putting her needs beyond mine. And that triggered hmm. everything else that came with it. And before that point, I, I started developing a relationship with myself. You know, I was active. I was doing yoga uh. like, every day that I could. And, and in the heat of recovery and everything else, like I, I felt good about myself and sacrificed it over this seemingly small series of events, trying to please someone else. And then got caught up in my own head about it and ended up coming later on to that week. Right. And uh, she blew me off. Oh, I have, I have this birthday party that I totally forgot about, hmm. you know, two hours before when we're supposed to meet. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, I'm, I'm not, and I'm grateful that I had the, the insight enough to do this, but I was like, do you know what? No, like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I broke up with her. Oh. And there was a certain amount of, you know, what my therapist would describe cognitive dissidence, right? right? That, that conflict of doing something that you know to be right while breaking the pattern of something that you previously have done. That's the best I can describe it. It's, it's not like a mm-hmm. perfect definition I get you, but wow. so, and within that too, it, I'm grateful because it made me assess. It took me back to the fact finding, you know, and I had to, right. I had to re- reach out to other people for an outside opinion, because if I get caught up in my head, that's a bad place to be. And, um, it really made me realize too, I was like reaching out to my sisters for help and they're not in a good spot either. You know, I, I talked mm-hmm. to my therapist about it towards the tail side of things, but in the heat of the moment, it was easier to talk to them to get a woman's perspective on it, so to speak. And what ended up happening was more the idea of like, if you have a leak in your house under the sink, you don't call an electrician. <laughs> and that's what I did. You know, God, you can't call, especially electrician with water. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and so, you know, just knowing my sister's struggle with like codependency and everything mm-hmm. else that I was going out to her for advice in a situation that I'm kind of in, that's the same similar situation. So it wasn't, it wasn't productive. It wasn't helpful. And so when we talk about, you know, getting into action and things that I can actually do in those regards, like I'm all for it because this needs to change. Like to have a healthy, fulfilled relationship to me is the idea that two independent people 
who are in charge of their own happiness, their own well-being, coming together to support each other through it. It's not about your needs are greater than my needs. It's both needs are met in this dance of reciprocity. Right, right. I want to ask a really simple question. What do you want right now? Oh, in regards to a relationship, in regards to just life, I mean. I think, I don't, I don't even think in a relationship. What do you want just your dating life to look like right now? You know, Have you I, ever just dated without being in a relationship? No. I, it, it takes me back to when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did. I was like a man whore. I, I slept around. And, you know, the younger me thought that that was dating. Right, right. So here's the thing. <laughs> and so I, because I want to start moving into the action piece. Because again, like a, a lot of the stuff is really heavy and you've been through so much heaviness. I want to make it a little simpler and lighter for you. Because again, you'll get caught up in the heaviness of it all. And I think that's the biggest issue right now is that you have been using addiction, whether it was sex, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, whatever it was, as a way to feel because you were Uh, never taught to feel or express that. right, Right. Right. So I... I would highly recommend that you spend a period of time to learn how to build emotional connections without getting attached. Now that's going to be a tall task. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like easier said than done. And that is why I, you know, eventually hopefully we'll work together, but, you know, just creating like a dating plan, but on a very simple level, you know, even just going on the apps right now or doing those little interactions like with that woman and going out on dates, not having sex, but just simply learning how to emotionally connect with someone. Oh, and, and that that's so much easier said than done. You know? It is. It totally is. I mean, looking at the, the list of everything, you know, um, so I actually heard in your podcast, which, by the way, I really appreciate so much, um, uh, the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I got that earlier this week, and I'm like halfway good. through. And, oh, my goodness, it is so good. But also within that, like, kind of, it makes me think of earlier when we were talking, you know, with the brain being a unisex organ, we all have our own subjective experiences, but emotion at the end of the day is a human experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think my biggest struggle with that is playing it safe and doing it right. Those are like the two biggest ones. Cause I go into this mode of like almost scarcity, you know, like I have to try to put up a front that I'm, I'm something that I'm not which makes it hard to form that emotional connection and to like let the guard down, so to speak. It, it is. And your default is always going to be to provide for them. So your confidence lives in what you do for others. Okay. Cool. So, right. Like, you know how to do that really, really well. And what, and, and it's just like how I titled this podcast, it is time to get a little selfish 
And with that, what I want you to work on is to show up more and let women really see who you are and share more things about yourself and see what they do in return for you. You know, you said something really interesting. I don't know if you caught yourself as you were telling your story. You said that, you know, like people were not making fun of you, but just like, oh, there he goes again into the office. And you said, you know, I just wish everyone would just leave me alone. Yeah. Yet I feel like when I listen to you that you feel very alone. It's like, it's like the one thing you want, you also fear. Oh, yes. Yes. Right. And so I want that. Yeah. And, and the leave me alone is that word against like, you know, just, I'm too scared. Just leave me alone. But, but you don't want to be alone. And so it's more about getting used to people giving to you, people doing things for you, allowing right. that, reaching out to people, you know, when you're having a bad day. Like my second question to you, so that that's one idea is to just really learn how to date, like either go on the apps or going out and just get to know a bunch of women without thinking about it as like, oh, okay, this is going to be my girlfriend or a relationship. Just like, hey, you know, she looks interesting. How can I get to know her and her to me? So that's one idea. Second thing, what does your support system look like right now? So I have a, uh, I have a sponsor that I work with. Mm-hmm. AA. And then um, I actually started rebuilding a relationship with my brother again, which has been monumental. It's, it's huge. Uh, I'm just that. No. And that's great. But I would love to see you just having some relationships with just some like regular Joes, <laughs> you know, like you've had a lot of therapy and therapists and, and sponsors and family members, and it's all good. I'm not knocking it because most people don't. So you have the opposite problem. Like you have a lot of the, the supports into place in that way, but, you know, maybe just getting involved in men's groups or, you know, like starting on Facebook or, you know, just seeing what else is out there in ways of your hobby. I don't know if you're into sports. Like I would make a list of all the things you're into and start Googling and seeing if there's anything. And I would highly recommend you taking an improv class. And do you know there's improv online now? I'm so excited to share that with all of you listening too. Yeah, you can take an improv class online. And I think that would really help you get out of your head and just get it more into your silly, more into fun. You just need to have more fun. <laughs> Honestly, like I'm just going to take all the psychobabble out of this conversation. Can we just have fun? <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Right? And, and that's that's such a struggle too is like I know. my best I crack puns and like make jokes about stupid shit. Like it, it's, that's how it goes. That's, that's sadly you were put in the position of being a parent when you were a child and it's not uh, fair. Totally. And, and, and that's, that's what I struggle with the most. So like mm-hmm. the, recovering from that is, is I'm always internal, like internally trying to assess what it is that I need. Right. And it, the way that I can break it down is I had to be my own parent, so to speak make yeah. my own judgment calls. I didn't have, you know, structure, discipline, right. that kind right. of stuff. So it's what I'm learning how to do on my own. And what are the, like the needs of my inner child? What are the needs of my inner parent? And what are the needs of my inner adult? Yeah. And trying to maintain all three of those in like a symbiotic balance is, is, is unreal. 
but no, totally. I mean, and and I just want to interrupt for a second around that because the the thing with you is like I think that's what the therapists and sponsors have been so great for you for because it they I think they've acted somewhat as a parental figure in some way, you know, just giving you that support. That's why I'd love to help you balance that out with just some regular dudes. Do you know what I mean? Like there's value yeah. to just regular dudes and and also having fun, you know, with it and just like blowing steam and going out on the golf course or whatever. I don't know what you do. And obviously, you know, we don't have time for that, but, um, the, the other idea that I have and you're, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Michael, like, as I'm hearing you talk, you are amazing. Like I I'm sure people listening are recognizing this too. You're so likable and you have an amazing voice. You need to do something to get your voice out there. And I would highly recommend you thinking about a podcast or a YouTube channel to do that. Have you ever uh, thought of that? I, I, I have not. I, I can't say the thought has ever crossed my mind of just like, Oh, how to get out there. I, mean, I, uh, I don't I don't know that that's that's a scary thought but knowing everything like that's you got to challenge the fears like the the most amount of growth occurs at the edge of my comforts you know that's like, right that's right exactly but you're doing it right now just to remind you you're on a podcast FYI oh uh, yeah uh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> you forgot you forgot and look at how authentic and natural I think just practicing that vulnerability and authenticity in a microphone, do you know how many people would probably listen and rally around you? Quick story. Um, and actually I had the pleasure of going on his podcast. There's, um, somebody who I worked with and I had him do the same thing. Um, he struggled with the kind of Mr. Nice guy syndrome and was taking care of everybody else, but himself. And I, simply asked him and I didn't even tell him to do this, but I said, you know, you should probably do, you know, like a Facebook group of some sort, or, you know, maybe start a group of, of some sort. He took it upon himself and he started doing Facebook lives and, and, and got a huge following from it. His confidence started growing. P guys are coming out of the woodwork saying, dude, me too. Like, I can't believe you feel this way too. Like there's nothing for guys around that stuff. And then he went to one of my summits in Vegas. I had this big summit and maybe one day I'll do it again. But he stood up and he's like, I think I want to start a podcast. He goes, but I don't think anybody would listen to it. And I asked the audience, I said, how many here would like actually listen to his podcast? Every single person in that room, and there were like over 50 people stood up. And it was wow. really powerful for him. Like he started crying, in fact, and it was a big breakthrough because he was the only person getting in his way. He was his own worst enemy and it gave him that empowerment and so many magical things happen. I mean, he has a successful podcast today. I went on his podcast full circle. Like it, it was amazing. And I, I just get this hit from you that this would be something really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It gives me, gives me ideas, but the thought of like, uh, I, I guess two things stick out on that one for me. Mm -hmm. uh, one is the idea of like 
craving the spotlight, but also just wanting to like sit in the shadows because it's so much easier that to just play it low key, play it safe, you know, not mm-hmm. stir the pot, so to speak. But the other bit is like, yeah, it'd be great to get out there. That's like the idea. Well, the second part to this is like the being an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. I stole that from, you know, the bit of program that I've been into. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. To, find, to find the balance in between there, like, it could be really good, but what if it goes to my head, you know, like, ah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Well, it, and again, like you said, I mean, nothing happens when you're in a state of comfort. It's this discomfort that, you know, will really stretch yourself and push yourself. And the beauty about podcasting is you can kind of do both, right? Like, you can be in the shadows. You're behind a mic. You never you don't have to be seen, but you could be heard. And I think as you gain the confidence to be heard, finally finding your voice and sharing like what you just shared on my podcast right now, I think people need to hear it and you need to hear it. And I think that would be such an amazing journey. And so just to recap, I think you should think of something, either starting a men's group, start you need to be in a leadership position somehow, because I think you have that within you. And just to give you that confidence also to see how you can influence people in so many ways and allow that to be given back to you. I think you should just date and learn how to create emotional connection and, you know, offer more of yourself to people and see what kind of women show up. But I I don't think you should be in a relationship right now. I think you should just date around, have fun and not sex either. Like no addictive behaviors, just like learn how to date, you know, for court women, like learn that process. And then finally, like look into improv, look into, you know, just hanging out with regular dudes, get involved in hobbies, like things that you can do just like normal stuff. Totally. I mean, I'm like a a car guy. So that, that could be a really easy in for. Oh yeah. So, you know, I, I can turn a wrench I'm by no means a mechanic, but that's, that's a good way to, to get out there. And I love that. Well, like car shows I, or any, like, you know, there's groups of men that get together and talk about cars every weekend. Like, yeah. Oh, totally. Car meets and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Could go on for hours and that, but that's the, I think, I think you're very much onto something with the idea of like reconnecting with my masculinity, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I'm comfortable with myself as a man and like my sexuality, but the masculine energy that can be provided to myself, you know, that I think that's a key element. And, you know, within that, the, the, no more Mr. Nice Guy. You know, there's there's even support groups within that. I looked it up and I'll be good. <laughs> yes. And a huge plug to Dr. Robert Glover. He's amazing. He came on the podcast. That's the podcast episode that Spike is talking about. So, yeah, no, it, it, men's groups, I mean, it's so powerful. And, you know, women have a lot more resources. And anytime there's an opportunity for men to get together, because, again, going back to what we were saying, it, it, there's no like discrimination in gender when it comes to the, these kind of issues, you know, like we all feel it. And, and so that's why I was just so happy you were able to come on with such authenticity, by the way, with such vulnerability. And I just want to thank you. Do you want to like, just kind of close it out with any last minute thoughts or feelings right now? Uh, I, I really appreciate that. We, uh, we had this dialogue. It, it's, I think, there's a lot to take away and a lot to work on, you know, and I, I, man, 
that's that's a good way of giving myself some confidence too. That's something that I kind of needed. Honestly, I I'm not even looking at my computer right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just put it down like somewhere else so that I could just be in the moment without like staring at a screen to have that disconnect. Love it. And, you know, that was that was really it gave me confidence that I'm on the right path, which is something that I always am questioning. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And can you commit to one thing you heard today that you will do tomorrow? Oh, um, I want to put you into action mode and not just sit there and ruminate. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you'll stare at your notes for another week and I don't want you doing that. What's one thing. (laughs) Called it. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. Maybe it's, uh, it'd be good to, like, I'm on a dating app, but it's, I'm not really getting out there, so to speak, but okay. I think I can focus on maybe hitting up one of my neighbors or something like that and having like a guy's night out where we go do something, maybe go to the shooting range. I don't know. Work on Love our cars. It. Love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Amazing. And I'm going to hold you to that and check back with you next week to make sure that's done. Is that okay? All right. All right. (laughs) So thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you want help becoming a little more selfish to attract balanced relationships in your life, sign up for a free breakthrough session with me. And on that call, I will help you gain clarity and map out a plan to do that. Remember, no one changes just thinking of what they need to do. You you change when you take action around something that might be a little difficult for you. And I'd love to help you. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.